I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord from John 15, 1 through 8. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I am, John records Jesus saying time and again in this gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And then two more I am statements come here as we come closer to the end of this gospel. One is in John 14, which we did not read, but the words of which will sound familiar. As the chapter begins, Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you, because I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. My word can be trusted. My promises are true. And as my disciples, you know the way because you know me. Trust, Jesus said. But he also said obey. As we come to chapter 15 and we come to the last of the I am statements in John. Trust and obey. The way, the truth, and the life. Stay connected to him because, as Jesus said, I am the true vine. What a simple statement that Jesus makes. What a simple metaphor Jesus gives us with the vine and the branches a metaphor that we can picture, that we can understand, that for the ancient first audience, those first disciples, something they saw every day and they were familiar with. And yet in the simplicity of this teaching, there are so many intricacies that there is no way we could develop and unpack all of this together this morning. 
And yet in the simplicity, there's this incredible call to trust I am the way, the truth, and the life, and to obey, to stay connected at all times to the true vine, Jesus Christ. This teaching is so simple that as I was out with my two young daughters in our flower bed this week, and they were pulling weeds, and I was trimming our bushes and our trees, I thought, this is a great teaching moment as a father. I said to the girls, you know, Sunday, the passage we're going to come to in John says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I had this, this vine in my hand and these branches, and I thought, this is going to be a moment my daughters will forever remember. But as I was teaching this passage to them, there was a spider. And so when the spider came along, Dad's teaching from the Bible lost all of its meaning for them. So, so then I, I waited a minute. We kept working. I had those poor little girls working out there with me for about three hours. I, I had another opportunity. I was with a different vine, and I said, Now, girls, I was trying to tell you earlier what we're going to read in John 15, the vine and the branches, and then it was the day that there were storms brewing, and there was lightning and thunder off in the distance. So once again, I lost their attention. So I tried one more time. And this time I thought, I, I have no idea what distractions might come, so I tried to say it really fast. Girls, listen to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And the teachable moment that I had just didn't land. So I pray this morning, since we've read this text together, it's in front of our eyes. The Holy Spirit of God has already shown that he's present in the room with us, that maybe we can teach it better one more time. Vines are everywhere branches plants trees we see them all the time around us just as did jesus first audience and vines were also a common illustration used throughout the hebrew scriptures that we call our old testament you see this language this metaphor this illustration coming up over and over again and in psalms isaiah jeremiah hosea and micah from which we read this morning the vine represents israel and so that makes it all the more important when Jesus says, literally in the Greek, I am the vine, the true. I am the true vine. What Israel was supposed to be as a people and as a nation, a vine that would grow up in God, that would bear much fruit, that as God said to Abraham, the fruit of the vine of Israel is supposed to be a blessing. Not only a blessing for you, but a blessing to the nations. The fruit of the vine of Israel is supposed to be good news. The fruit of the vine of Israel, God said, is supposed to be like light penetrating darkness. And yet so often, Israel failed to be a blessed vine. They failed to be good news to others. They did often, at, 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 with every power that they had, every effort they could muster, they tried to keep others away and out and at an arm's length. And so when Jesus says, I am the vine, the true, what Israel failed to be, what the people of God before Jesus had failed to do, where they had fallen short, Jesus says, you can trust that I am the true vine. And when you want to see fruit that represents who, who God truly is and who God truly wants us to be, look at me, because I am the true vine. 
in France right now, there are tree surgeons who are combing the country's forests looking for centuries-old oak trees that they can use to rebuild the Cathedral of Notre Dame. You remember in 2019 the tragic fire that consumed that cathedral and, and its beamed ceiling and also its spire are, are made of ancient, old, strong, firm oak wood and trying to find the right trees that could be used not only for their strength but for the symbolism has been a long and hard process. Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am stronger than the strongest oak. My roots run deeper than you can ever fathom. And yet, what Jesus produces as the true vine is fruit that is new every morning. Isn't that an amazing mystery? That Jesus himself as the center of all things, everything about Jesus the Christ is older than the foundations of the earth. And yet as he produces fruit in our lives and through our lives, it's new, it's fresh all the time because he is the true vine. And yet in Israel today, just like in Israel in the ancient world, vineyards are still everywhere. But if you visited Israel and seen the vineyards, you know it's not like places like Napa Valley. They're not spread out over thousands of acres because the land is small the vineyards in Israel, they're also small. The vines grow together very close in proximity. And so the process of pruning is essential so that the vines will grow and they will be able to produce fruit from the vine that can be useful for those who would seek it. God is described here, the Father, as the gardener. The actual word here is husbandman. It's an ancient person who would tend to the vine. He would prune these vines in Israel and other places in such a way that without the work they did, the vine simply couldn't grow. It couldn't be healthy. It couldn't produce or bear much fruit. And what the husbandman would do with his pruning knife was not only cut away that which was unhealthy for the vine, that which might hinder its growth, but he would also prune the healthy parts of the vine and make sure that that which is healthy that which is producing fruit can produce the maximum amount to the highest possible level. In the same way the Father prunes us in our hearts and our lives. The work that God does in us is a pruning, and sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it might even feel like it's punishment. But God is pruning us. He's helping us to cut away those things that are not healthy in our hearts and lives. And he's also taking those things that are healthy, that are our strengths, and making them stronger, not because he wants to harm us, but because he loves us, and because it's for our good. Just as the husbandman would prune the vine for the good of the vine, that it might bear much fruit, so Jesus says the Father tends to us so that we will be more fruitful. But listen, Every branch that does not bear fruit, that ultimately is, is not useful, is not producing that which is life-giving and needed for the good of others, ultimately it dries up and it's thrown away. Jesus is the true vine. God prunes us for our own good. 
But Jesus says to his disciples here in verse 3, you all are already clean. Why does he say this? Because of the word that I've spoken to you. Picture Jesus and his first disciples. The reason he calls them clean is because they are connected. Wherever Jesus went, they went. Whatever Jesus commanded them to do, they did it. Now, sometimes they didn't understand. Sometimes they asked some silly questions. We've seen that in John. But ultimately, they trusted and they obeyed. And Jesus said, right now, you are clean because you are living daily connected to my words. But the reminder comes then in verse 4. We must remain in him. Jesus says, abide in me. And abide is a better translation of this word in Greek because when we hear remain, we can sort of think remain for a time, but then leave. But the word that's used here that, that we often translate abide means not just to stay for a while, it means to take up residence. When Jesus says abide in me, we, we might hear in English the word abode. Make your abode, make your residence right in the center of me, who I am, who I'm supposed to be in your life. Don't just stay with me for a while. Don't just remain in me when it's convenient. Don't just remain in me until you think you get a better offer. Abide in me just as I abide in your heart and I'm not going anywhere. You also abide in me because just as no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Again, think back to the simplicity, but also the brilliance of this metaphor. Because where is the vine located in relation to the entire plant? It's in the center. So no matter what happens, the, the branches can grow the fruit can be born because the vine remains firmly in place in the center. Jesus is saying, just as I am the center of all things that exist in the universe, so I must also be the center in your life. And we as his disciples now want him to be in the center. We might teach and, and even proclaim to others that he is at the center. And yet if we're honest, if I'm honest... There are often many others, whether they be people or they be opportunities or things or activities, whatever they might, might be. There are things that draw us away. And we find ourselves no longer having Christ at the center, but having him off to the side. And something else becomes the center. And in that way, it becomes an idol. It becomes a replacement for Christ and where only Christ is supposed to be. Only when he is at the center can we as the branches be healthy. Only when Christ alone is at the center can we bear much fruit. Yet I remember even as a teenager how much I wanted there to be a person that I could look to as my example. Yes, Christ was supposed to be my all in all. Yes, as a disciple, I was supposed to be following him. But I wanted that person that I could look to and I could say I want to be exactly like them. And you know who I was looking to more than anyone else? I wanted that person to be famous. I wanted that person to be rich. 
I wanted that person to be a great football player, basketball player, baseball player, a movie star, a musician, because what I wanted was to have the best of both worlds. Yeah, I wanted Christ to be at the center, but I wanted to find that person who said, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, and they had everything else that the world had to offer. I think back to those days as a teenager, some of those folks that I chose to be my heroes, my favorite players, it was because they said they were a Christian. And then after a while, it became evident that they really weren't. At least they weren't living as if what they said they believed was true. Because only Christ can be that example for us. You can hang up a picture on your wall of the most faithful Christian person you know, but if that person is not Christ, they will fall short at some place. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, because remember, Israel, as God's chosen people, had fallen short. And so the reminder for us here is the true vine is at the center and we must abide in him. I was talking to my grandfather. He's 91 years old a couple weeks ago. And I was talking to him about when, at the, the latter part of his career, he became the big boss in, in the large company he worked for. And I asked him, I said, what was the hardest part of leading a team of hundreds of people? And he answered really quickly. He said, trying to decide who I should listen to. That was the hardest part. And we, we feel that tension probably right now as much as we ever have in our lives. How do we decide who to listen to? My grandpa said, I wasn't sure about my colleagues. I wasn't sure about my employees. When there was, was a, a conflict, when there was a debate, who should I listen to? It was a hard decision to make. Well, we don't have to look right, left, up, or down in our culture. In every direction, there is conflict. And there is division and confusion and we are conflicted and we find ourselves asking often who should i listen to if christ is the center then we need not look anywhere else christ is the word christ is the way the truth and the life christ is the true vine and if we abide in him we will bear much fruit now you might say but but aren't there some things that Jesus never addresses? I mean, we're dealing with some 21st century issues here. Does Jesus address everything? Well, well, yes, in a way he does. Because if you look at the heart of everything Jesus taught, it always get to the, gets to the heart of everything that we are. But even if those specific issues may not be addressed in the red letters, all we need to do is listen closely to those voices pay close attention to not only what they say but how they say it and then look at how they live in response and if jesus is our example and jesus is our model and jesus is at the center we cut away everything else that doesn't look like sound like or act like him everything else comes through that filter of jesus christ the true vine who is our model and when he is at the center, we need not ask, who should we listen to? Abide in me, as I also abide in you. The picture is of union with Christ. And if we as the branches do not remain connected to the vine, we're useless. Notice what Jesus says at the end of verse 5. Apart from me... You can do nothing. 
I love what St. Augustine said. He said, his words are not, without me you can do only a little. His words are, without me you can do nothing. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit if it's not connected to the vine, so you also, if you abide in me, will bear much fruit. But if you do not, apart from me, you can do nothing. What happens to branches that disconnect from the vine? They dry up. They wither. They become useless to anyone and eventually they die verse 6 if you do not remain in me you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned notice what Jesus does here it's subtle but I think it's really important he shifts from the singular to the plural He's talking to each of his disciples and he's saying you are a branch you are a branch you are a branch you are a branch I am the vine if you do not remain in me if you do not abide in me you can do nothing but then he says those branches which dry up and wither they're thrown away branches plural they're thrown into the fire and they're burned he shifts from each individual disciple to the disciples as a whole in other words, I believe this teaching is not just for the individual heart. It's not just for the individual disciple. It's for the community of faith. It's for the community of disciples. And I feel this responsibility often as pastor here in this church. That when I preach and teach, I'm not only talking about me, and I'm not only talking about you, but I'm talking about all of us. I feel that responsibility as, as a shepherd to say, it's not just about what, what I believe in and, and what I project or you, but, but all of us. What does this church look like to those who are on the outside looking in? What, what do we look like as a community of disciples to those people who come into our doors or come across our path? As a pastor, I feel that compulsion from the Spirit often to preach and teach about my heart, but also our heart about my spirit but also our spirit about my attitudes but also our attitudes about my actions but also our actions we who are disciples who are the body of christ together in this church it's for the individual but it's also for the community remain in me don't become like a branch that's thrown away that's withers that withers that's useless and ultimately is just like everything else that's going to be burned up and destroyed. Verse 7. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Among the many verses in the New Testament and the many words of Jesus that have often been misused or abused, this verse is one of them. Notice what Jesus is saying based on what he's just said. If you abide in me as I abide in you, if you as the branches are always connected to the vine in such a way that you are healthy and you are fruitful, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is not Jesus saying, so whatever your sinful heart desires, 
whatever you've always wished or wanted to own, whatever your, your sweet little heart wants to make you happy, no. If we are connected to the vine, if we abide in him, his will is ours. And our will is his. They are one and the same because we are the branches growing out of the vine and we certainly would not be asking God to fulfill our sinful desires. Ask whatever you wish when you are connected to me and it will be done for you. And if you're a person here today who's looking for a purpose in your life, verse 8 is it. The highest purpose that any of us could have we who are human beings whom god has said you are created in my own image we've been created in his image for one ultimate purpose that we would display his glory to everything else in all of creation if you're looking for purpose this is the highest purpose for which any of us have been created to my father's glory it is that you bear much fruit and in doing so you show that you are in fact truly my disciples just like those plants i was trimming with my daughters there were several branches that appeared to be connected to the vine but they certainly weren't bearing much fruit and i tore them off and i threw them out they they looked fruitful at a time but now they weren't and they were no longer useful the true branches that i left behind i left behind because they showed their health they showed their authenticity because they were able to bear and produce fruit in the same way jesus says in doing so you as an individual and you as a community show yourself to be my disciples for the purposes of God and for the purposes of his glory. He says, abide in me. But he also says, look with me in verse 9. We're going to continue reading. Abide in my love. This is actually a really helpful part because though the teaching is simple, simple, it might leave us with some unanswered questions. And so Jesus clarified, how do you abide in me? By abiding also in my love locating yourself at the center of my love taking up residence there so that the love of god is not only in us but listen the love of god is flowing through us and jesus says that's most clear in the way we love others verse 9 as the father has loved me so have i loved you now abide remain in my love if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, 
but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Jesus takes that simple illustration, metaphor, teaching, and he explains it. And yet in explaining it, he repeats himself. He says the same things, but now it's not just about our love for God, but it's also demonstrated in our love for each other, in our love for our neighbor. Look to the true vine. Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Abide in him, Christ at the center. He says, I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last forever. Abide in my love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. This is my command, love each other. Yet when I look around right now at our evangelical culture, but even in our denomination, this is an area where we are not, at times, bearing the fruit that will last. This is an area where we are not, at times, demonstrating that we are his disciples because we are bearing the fruit of love not just our our claimed love for god but our our love that's demonstrated in action towards each other you may or may not be aware of this and i hesitate to share it because i really don't want you to go seek it out or learn about things that i hope will just get better but right now in our evangelical world and in our denomination there is division like I've not seen in my lifetime. And it's not about core, key issues, except loving each other. It's about secondary issues, simple disagreements, people who cannot admit they're wrong, people who cannot have an open and honest dialogue with others. And I will say this on a positive note. Our church, I truly believe, unless I'm missing something, is a shining light in the midst of it. Because in the last 12 months, we have gone through a lot. The world has gone through a lot, but we have too. And I've been amazed at the way that this church has demonstrated its incredible commitment to God, staying connected to the vine with Christ at the center, but also the amazing ways that you all have loved each other. And you have loved your pastor and your staff. I mean that. Our church is a shining light. But what's happening in other churches can affect us when i look out and i see great wonderful people who are leaving our denomination over these minor issues it makes my heart sad it makes my heart sad not only for the people that have sort of driven them out but the fact that they've chosen to leave over this stuff we are the body of christ being connected to the vine with christ at the center not only makes us Christ's people, but it's supposed to unify us. That together we would say, we're in this thing together. We are the branches. We are his body. And we've got each other's backs. Jesus said so clearly. We talked about it last week, but he says it again here. People will know you're my disciples if you obey this simple command. Love each other. How are we supposed to love our neighbor? How are we supposed to love the world? if we can't even love one another. I pray that God will continue to protect this body and this church, that those things that from the inside or the outside would threaten, 
to divide us and make us no longer bear the fruit of discipleship and love for one another, that God would keep it out and he would show us how to keep our guard up and to be diligent. Because look at what Jesus says next. There are legitimate threats on the outside. I hear people talking right now about these concerns about persecution. The church has been persecuted from day one. Jesus warned and and, and made clear to us, look at verse 18 of this chapter, if the world hates you, don't be surprised. Keep in mind, it hated me first. Those who are true disciples of Jesus Christ, though they may live connected to the vine and abiding in his love, will sometimes be hated and will be persecuted. And Jesus said the very reason for that is because you bear my name. Don't be surprised if the world hates you because they hated me first. And you know what I've I've learned? Many times those who demonstrate the most hate towards Christ and the church really hate themselves. They hate themselves and then they begin to hate others and all of that hatred just spills over onto Christ and the church. Nonetheless, Jesus says there in verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name because they don't know me and they don't know me just like they don't know the one who sent me nevertheless abide in me the true disciples remain faithful and we as Christ's people find our value and our affirmation nowhere else except in Christ himself Thankfully, as the chapter comes to a close, in the midst of whatever we might face, suffering, persecution, hatred, division, inside and out, Jesus promised us another helper. He said, when I leave the earth physically, until I return again, there's another helper who's coming. And no matter what you face, you will not be alone. The Holy Spirit will be with you to encourage you, to guide you, to remind you of my words. And when you find yourselves in situations where you're not sure what you should say, it will be the Holy Spirit who will give you the words to speak. But listen to me, church family. It won't happen if we're not connected to the vine and if Christ is not at the center. But if Christ is at the center, if we abide in him and we abide in his love, the Holy Spirit has got this. And will give us everything that we need to bear not just a little bit of fruit, but as Jesus says, to bear much fruit for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with us in the face of any difficulty we face. Even when you're the underdog like ORU, just making sure you're still paying attention, not checking the scores yet until church is over. Even when you're the underdog, God's got your back. And we have the promise from him. We never face the challenges of the Christian life alone. And so today, I ask you simply, thinking about where we began, trust and obey. Trust that Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, will keep the promises he's made to you. And obey Stay connected to the true vine. Live in that command to love one another 
as we abide in his love. Today, are you connected to the true vine? Or do you feel like your life is withering away? Maybe you would say, I've never been connected to the true vine. Well, in the time we have remaining, you're going to have an opportunity today, right here in this moment, to say yes to Jesus Christ. To say to him, Lord, I've never had that life surging within me that allows me to produce fruit for your glory. Today, this call is to come to Jesus Christ and experience through repentance, through turning from your sin and turning to him, the life that only Christ Jesus can give you. But I have a feeling that there are many people in this room who would say, I have been connected to the vine. I have confessed that sin and repented and experienced life in the past. But right now I feel dried up. I feel like I'm withering away. I feel like I am, I am losing my effectiveness. Today, the simple call is to return. If you've already turned to Christ before, today, would you return to Christ? And would you say to him, you are the true vine. Lord, I want to abide in you.